0: And I appreciate it very, very much we uh, We'll be in John chapter nineteen this morning. Uh, someone said something very kind to me, and you know it's it's been a while since i uh you know you see me with a button coat, and uh, they took notice of that and, and what goes into that and I appreciate their kindness and I said, well, you know it, 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 there's no real secret formula to it. You uh, make good decisions, you work hard." You stay consistent, and you save up enough money to buy a bigger coat. and uh, <laughs> I've used that one before, but give me some props. I, it's been years since I used it. And uh, anyway <laughs> I just had a moment of complete and abject terror. I moved my message to another part of the Bible, and I'm like, my outline's not here. Now, I know the message well enough. I think I could get through, but this makes it easier. We read our uh, passage earlier, and uh, let me just kind of give you an overview of what's going on here. Pontius Pilate has placed Jesus under the scourge. Whatever you've seen in television or movies describing that beating, whatever you've seen in reality, it was worse. In Isaiah, it's prophesied of the Messiah that he was so marred that his visage did not seem to be that of a man. He no longer looked human. That Jesus survived the beating to get to the cross is a testimony both to the sovereignty and power of God to get him there, but also to undoubtedly must have been his strong frame i don't believe jesus was this weak pasty guy that you see in a lot of the pictures jesus was and is a man's man you're a carpenter you 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 had to be strong to be a carpenter back then because you didn't have power tools somebody had to carry the wood to get it worked on you know um so his frame i'm sure was one that could take a beating and he still survived but of course obviously god had his hand in that too Pilate then presents him to the Jews, and he was sure that the sight of this robed man beaten until his flesh hung in ribbons from his frame and wearing a crown of thorns on his battered head will elicit some kind of pity from the mob. Maybe this will be enough to assuage their bloodlust and free Pilate from condemning he who he knows is an innocent man. But when Pilate presents Jesus to the raging crowd, calling him their king, Their response in verse number 15 is chilling. Led by the chief priest, they said, we have no king but Caesar. Now, of course, as you can imagine, what they said and what they meant were two different things. The fact is, no self-respecting Jew would at any level claim Caesar as their sovereign. They felt he was illegitimate, had no right to be there, that they were to be ruled by their king. In the depths of their heart, see, this was just a lip service. It was a political ploy to force Pilate's hand. What they really meant from the depths of their heart was not, we have no king but Caesar. What they really meant that day is, we have no king. We have no king. Even though they claimed to love God's law and offered prayers and platitudes about the coming Messiah, this event reveals the true nature of their hearts. They were utterly lawless, beholden to no one. Their treatment of Jesus confirmed that they would only submit to the rule of a Christ who governed according to their desires and in their timing. Messiah's rule would be entirely at the mercy of their personal whims. They had no want for spiritual deliverance. All they wanted was to be out out from under the heavy hand of Rome, free to do as they pleased. But before we're too quick to condemn the Jews, remember, we're prone to this posture as well. We're made of the same stuff that they were. When Jesus apparently didn't fit their chosen narrative, they rejected him as their king and let's be honest christian if god doesn't fulfill our chosen narrative we're prone to reject his kingship too and they chose rather to explain exclaim what he knew all along a sad commentary on where many lost and even saved folks find themselves today we want to speak on this subject we have no king Father, it's a heavy subject, especially for a Sunday morning. Would you help me to handle it rightly, to rightly divide your word of truth? May Jesus be lifted up. Help us, we pray. In Christ's name, we ask these things. Amen. We have no king. The Bible says the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. There's kind of a parallel mindset there, isn't it? (laughs) Social media reveals the ugliness of the atheistic mindset. Anytime you offer prayers about a situation, there's some troll that's going to get on there and say, yeah, go ahead, throw your empty wishes up to your invisible sky, God. I mean, that kind of stuff. They have no idea. What awaits them? They shake their fist at the heavens and say, we have no God. But the verse doesn't say, the fool hath said openly. It says, the fool hath said in his heart which means they may not be proclaiming it, but they're living as though there is no God. I've preached a message in the past called the Christian Atheist. It is possible to be saved and yet live as though there is no God in heaven to whom you're accountable. And so that carries us over to this. We have no king. And there are Christians perhaps in this room, perhaps watching online, that if you're honest, you live as though you have no king, no one to whom you answer. And maybe there's somebody here today that's lost. You're not saved. I'm not saying you're not religious. I'm not saying you're not Baptist. I'm saying you're not saved. And if you're honest and you take an honest appraisal of yourself, you're living outside as kingship and all that that awaits you is hell. We have no king. I want to see three things about that statement. Number one, we have no king. That statement is fantastically diluted. Now, why did I choose the word fantastically? Because we hear the word fantastic, we we tend to think of, man, that's great. And we use it that way. But the word fantastic comes from the word fantasy. And if you think you have no king, friend, you are living in a fantasy. That's right. It is a delusion of fantastic proportions. We have no king. The fact is they did have a king. Their king was Caesar. They didn't want him. They didn't like him. They didn't recognize him. But they had a king, and he was Caesar. They could have had another perfect ruler, but they rejected him. And so, sorry, fellas, you do have a king. Can I tell you something, friend, today? Nobody's autonomous. Nobody lives without being under the reign and rule of someone or something. Now, I don't want to get overly political, but we we as Americans value our freedom, and we should. Never forget that your freedoms are not found in the Constitution. They're found in your Creator. They're only enshrined and commented upon in your Constitution. God's the one that gave us our freedoms. He's the only one with the authority to grant that kind of thing. And I'm all for liberty, and I'm all for freedom. But sometimes that mindset can carry its way over into the spiritual, and we're, we're not just political libertarians. We're religious libertarians. i got news for you. You can't live for God without having him as your king. you got to have him as a king. Well, I don't answer to anybody. I'm free. No, you're not. Everybody's under a king. And to think you're not is fantastically deluded. Everyone is ruled by someone or something. Right now, as you sit here, as you watch online, you're either under the rule of the Father or you're under the rule of your flesh. You're right now under the rule of Christ or you're under the rule of your carnality. You're right now under the rule of the spirit or you're under the rule of sensuality. You're under the word or you're under the world. You're under devotion or you're under desires. You're under holiness or you're under your heart. You're under Christianity or you're under your culture. You're under principle or you're under popularity. But every one of us in here serves somebody. We serve something. None of us are free. Well, I do what I want to do, then you serve your flesh and everything that comes from it. You serve the sensual. You serve the carnal. And you are a slave to it. And the Bible says that over and over again. We are slaves to sin to the point that it kills us. And the only way to be free from sin is to be a servant of Jesus Christ. So my question is not whether or not you have a king. My question is, who have you chosen to be your king? Because you've got to have one. If you think you can rule yourself, it is a fantasy and a delusion. Well, I'm a pretty strong-willed person. I think I could keep myself under control. The most self-controlled person I've ever known was my grandfather on my mother's side. I didn't know my grandfather on my dad's side. My grandfather on my mother's side... He had such self-control. To be married to my grandmother, he would have had to have had (laughs) self-control. And here's how you knew if you were getting, you were about to step too far. If he clicked his teeth, what do I mean by that? If he went, he's about to say something, and you better watch out. He was silent up to, you know, still waters run deep. And he was silent, but he went, you better watch out. I remember one time my, I got dropped off at my grandmother's house after school, and my mom was working. My dad was out of town or something, and it was late. And he got home from work late. And my grandmother, and y'all bet my grandmother, you know I love my grandmother, but you know how she was. You know, she's kind of a catbird, if I can put it the way she would put it. And uh, anyway, he got home from work. You could tell he was tired. And she had dinner there waiting for him, and he sat down to eat, and she just went into him. I'm just sitting over there minding my own business. Just a little kid. And finally, he went. Only time I ever heard him say it, he said, Harriet, would you please shut up? Didn't raise his voice, <laughs> nothing. And she did. That was it. So I thought, hmm, that worked pretty well. Mom, no, I did not try that. <laughs> I did not try that. <laughs> he, he was the kind of guy that if he mashed his finger, I might go on to the doctor for that. Get, heat up a drill bit. I'll take care of this. He was allergic to most, to most anesthesias and stuff, and they had to do a medical procedure on him that usually you're put under for. And he told the doctor, just do it. And that man sat there. He did go a couple of times, but that was about all they got out of him. My man was self-control. But even him, even Ralph Moore, couldn't control himself to the level that we need to. We can't. We must be ruled. Would Would you agree with me that if you... It's unlikely that you can rule your entire person when the Bible is clear that you can't even rule one of your smartest, their smallest parts. Oh, I can rule myself? But the Bible says you can't even control your tongue. Yeah. And if you can't control something relatively small like the tongue, you're not controlling the rest of you either. Right. But the tongue, James 3.8, can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. If you sit here today or you're watching online or whatever and you think, I got it together, I am the lord of my castle, I am the king of my domain, I am in charge of it, wrong. We are all under the kingship of something or someone. And to think otherwise is fantastically deluded. Number two, that kind of a statement is fraught with danger. We have no king. And in rejecting their Messiah, the Jewish nation was plunged headlong into a miserable existence of their own making. Look at history. Look at how the people, God's people were treated from that point all the way up until, I mean, let's let's just take when, when they were established as a nation, all that they went through, that was of their own choosing. They rejected their Messiah. Now, Am I saying that they should be held accountable for the hall? God forbid. No, of course I'm not saying that. But I'm saying when you reject Jesus as your king, nothing good comes of it. That mindset is fraught with danger. And we see them suffering horribly all along the way. What did they say in another gospel? Let his blood be upon us and on our children. And it was. But the Jews are no different than us. We are, we are in the path of the same danger when we say, I'll not have him as my king. One who refuses Jesus' lordship is left only to their own devices. It says it twice, Judges 17, 6 and 21, 25. And in those days, there was no king in Israel, and every man did what? That which was right in his own eyes. They have no one to look to for a moral authority, for a compass, and so all they have is what they think is best. They are living out what you hear all over the media these days. Just follow your heart. Hear me and hear me well if you've not heard me say it before. That is the worst advice you can come up with. Do not follow your heart. God through Jeremiah says that it is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Your heart will mislead you. Some kid comes to me for counsel. Pastor, what should I do? I'll ask him, what does your heart tell you? Well, my heart then do the opposite. The only heart you can trust is one that is fully and totally given over to the lordship of Jesus Christ. When left to our own devices, the outlook is grim. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man. His heart would say it's good, but the end thereof are the ways of of death. Brother Davies has to make decisions on a daily, even moment-by-moment basis in this school and in other aspects of this ministry. He'll be the first to tell you, if left to his own reason, his own ideals, his own thinking, Granite would never survive. If I had nothing from which to draw to lead this church, we would be in bad, bad shape because we are not able We are not able to make right decisions apart from the Holy Ghost of God. And how many of us today, don't raise your hand, but how many of us could testify to a fact that we took a matter into our own hands and all that happened was it got worse. I know what to do. I know how to handle this. And we left Jesus and his throne out of it and we just made things worse. it is fraught with danger. We have no king! Then you're asking for it. It's fraught with danger. It's fantastically diluted. But then number three, it's finite in its duration. What do I mean by that? That statement, we have no king, it has an expiration date. You, you may believe it so, you may be living in the idea that you have no king, but I'm telling you, I promise you from the word of God, there comes a day that that statement stops being true even in your own mind. God will see to it. Even the one who most believes it one day will find out it is not so. I have no king. But what does God have to say on the matter? Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, and every tongue confess. I'm sorry, every knee should bow things in heaven and things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. I say I have no king. You'll say differently someday. There will come a day that Satan himself will take a knee before the ancient of days and through gritted teeth, he'll be forced to say it. Jesus is Lord. Now my question to you is this. If you will one day be forced to submit to his kingship, Why not do it now willingly when it can do you the most good? If I know it's coming anyway, why would I not submit to it now? And that brings us to the so what? All right, Andy, nice little message you brought there. Surely you're not done 10 minutes early. No, I am not. I look at my own life, and I can't say that I've said that I have no king. But let me ask you a question, friend. When's the last time you let something else rule your life instead of Jesus? Because right now, either you're being ruled by the word of God through his Holy Spirit, or you're being ruled by something else. Maybe you're being ruled by culture. I know what the Bible says, but man alive, I don't want to be a dork. I want people to like me, and I want to fit in, and so I'm going to let culture rule me. And culture will rule you right to the grave. And culture will send your kids down the wrong road. It'll send your grandkids down the wrong road, and you'll come in church, and you'll cry, I don't know what happened. I'll tell you what happened. You took Jesus off the throne of your heart, and you put culture there. Maybe you're ruled by your comfort. I know what I should be doing, but I just don't feel like it. If you wait till you feel like something, you're never going to do it. I'd love to tell you that I am the way I am because I have some kind, of a, some kind of a medical reason why I can't go to the gym. Do you know why I usually don't go to the gym? I don't feel like it. We can't all be like Richard. Richard loves it. Richard runs 720 miles every day. <laughs> Titus, even Titus only runs 600. Don't feel like it. I'll tell you a secret. I love what I do, but some days I don't feel like preaching. Some days you don't feel like putting up with your kids. Well, well, I always. No, you don't. Don't you lie. Sometimes your kids make you want to pull your hair out. Some of you, they have. Sometimes the reason that we don't do right is we just don't feel like it, and that is what we've made king. My question is, Who's ruling you right now? What's ruling you right now? Something is. You have a king. Is your King Jesus? Now, I understand. He's Lord whether you make him so or not. He's sovereign whether you recognize it or not. I'm saying for your own benefit, for my own benefit, are we this morning Did you get up and, and crown him king of your life for your own benefit today? Because if you don't do it on purpose... It doesn't just happen. Over and over we see in Scripture that that our, our, our spirituality is an active thing. Put on the whole armor of God. It doesn't just show up. You put it on. Have you made the decision, even today, by God's grace, Jesus, you're king of my life today. Whatever you want, whatever you want, I submit to it. You are my king. Some of you are enslaved to your feelings. Your feelings drive you everywhere, and I got news for you. Feelings are not trustworthy. And feelings change. Feelings are up, and they're down, and they're left, and they're right, and they're all over the place, and you're right there with them. What you need to be ruled is by the facts of the word of God. What's the so what? Who is your king today? And if it's anybody but Jesus, then right now we're in the midst of idolatry. And God said, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Perhaps you're here and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior. He's the king, but he's not your king. What should I do? Realize that you're a sinner. Understand that we fall short of God's glory, God's perfect standard of holiness. For God to be God and to be a God of righteousness, he cannot tolerate sin. He will not tolerate sin. Sin has to be paid for. It has to be dealt with. And we do not measure up. Well, I'm not so bad. I mean, you look at my neighbor. I'm way better than my neighbor. Well, let's just take the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Have you ever put anything or anybody ahead of God? Oh, well, yeah, yeah, I have. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. Have you ever tried to make God into the image that you wanted him to be instead of what the Bible clearly declares him to be? Well, yeah, I've done that. Uh, Let's just pick some at random. Uh, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. You ever done that? Well, yeah, okay. Uh, Thou shalt not uh, uh, honor thy father and thy mother. Have you ever dishonored your parents? You absolutely have, and so have I. Thou shalt not kill. I've never done that. John said, if you hate your brother in your heart, you're guilty of murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. I've been true to my spouse. Jesus said, if you look on somebody who's not your spouse with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery already. Thou shalt not steal. You ever stole? Never stole. Have you ever done less than your best and took a paycheck? Then you stole. Thou shalt not covet. Have you ever been less than grateful for what god's given you well if you say yes to those things and you have to then by our own admission we are idolatrous we are murderers we are adulterers we are thieves we are ungrateful we are blasphemers now you tell me do we deserve to go to heaven The answer is no We don't. So what does God do with all that sin? All that sin that offends him. All that sin that can't be in heaven. I'll tell you what God did with it. He took it and he put it all on his son, Jesus. And as Jesus hung between heaven and earth, God just judged our sin and judged our sin and judged our sin. As Jesus hung there, he suffered our hell. He absorbed the very wrath of God so that God could be satisfied that sin had been paid for and his righteousness was intact. And Jesus died, having shed his blood to not just cover our sins, but to wash them away. They buried him, and on the third day, he rose again. And that's the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if you, by faith, will apply that to your life, Lord Jesus, I don't understand everything. I don't know everything about your book, but I know this. I'm a sinner, and I need a Savior, and I'm asking you the best I know how to be my Savior. Jesus said, if you come to him like that, he'll in no wise cast you out. And then guess what you got? You got your king and you let him rule and reign in your life, and he'll do so much for you now and in eternity. That's your so what? Who is your king?